John Robbie on Talk Radio 702, your number one news and talk station. All right, let's talk now about another aspect which is very much in the spotlight at the moment, and that's the forensics. Uh, we've got this, this forensic uh, scientist on at the moment, and he came across, and he was the one who put out the call for, for no media uh, uh, coverage, live media coverage, etc. And the whole thing is fascinating. It's a fascinating subject. And, of course, we watch programs like Silent Witness and all these various programs on the television, and obviously it is vital to the Oscar trial. Is the way it's coming across, is this normal? What are the do's and don'ts? Well, a pleasure to welcome Forensic Collision Homicide Reconstructionist. Now, how's that for a title? Uh, Stan Bezadenhout. Stan Bezadenhout, nice talking to you. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Robbie. Thank you very much. That title, what does that mean? A forensic investigator? That is correct. But oh. uh, I've focused primarily on crash scenes, but I've also worked crime scenes as a specialist reservist in the South African police. Okay. The Oscar trial, I mean, is, 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 is this normal? Look, when, when we look at it, we're, we're fascinated. Or when I look at it, I'm totally fascinated. Is this normal stuff in your life, Stan? Yes, actually it is. Uh, One must keep in mind there are two aspects. Obviously, the media coverage is abnormal. However, the management of the trial, the way in which the trial is unfolding, the way in which the legal arguments are, are, are led, are all normal processes in trials as I've experienced them. And obviously a crime scene, I mean, avoiding contamination is the, is the most important thing. I mean, that, that starts before you actually get to the, the scene of death itself, doesn't it? That is absolutely true, yes. And, 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 and in court, I mean, the whole idea is that the people weren't there at the crime, but the forensics can, in a way, piece together the situation so you can, you can work out exactly what happened. That's, it, it's, it's almost like constructing a, a movie of what happened for the judge and for the, for, for the public. That is absolutely correct. You must remember that part of the collection of evidence essentially contaminates the original scene. The removal of elements of evidence essentially then contaminates that scene. So if you went back, say, for argument sake a week later, you would find an empty uh, uh, scene with none of the original evidence there. So it is the job of the forensic investigators and the forensic scientists to collect the evidence to such a great uh, extent and to such a great level of detail that they would be capable of, for lack of a better term, reconstructing that scene in court so that the judge or magistrate can feel as if they were there with the investigator at the time. And, and, and I mean, the point we made with and, and to Professor Anton Harbour, if this was some, let us say, township kid or somebody who nobody had ever heard of in some uh, minor trial that was going on, you wouldn't have the level of expertise, or would you? No, you would not. I must be honest, I've worked enough crime scenes to know that high-profile scenes attract high-profile prosecutors, high-profile experts, etc. Mm. In a case of this kind, we've heard many times that it has been said that Oscar will not receive any special treatment. I believe that the only thing he's, re- he's receiving is a very special prosecution. Okay. Uh, explain that again. Uh, essentially, as you've just said, if it's somebody unknown and they get murdered, I mean, we're talking about, say, a child gets murdered, uh, that trial would typically go to the magistrate's court. It would be conducted as a murder trial. Uh, it would be an informal process. Only the higher-profile cases end up with this level of expertise. I mean, we've got some of the top advocates in the world prosecuting. Typical murderers that end up in the typical jails that we see as murderers with the tattoos and the scary faces and everything, uh, they get prosecuted by prosecutors at the lower court level. And, and the other one is in terms of autopsies and, and post-mortems. I mean, I've got a, a letter from somebody who says they've been told they won't get an autopsy for six years. 
Yeah, I know of a case of somebody that died in police custody and uh, the wife was told that there will not be a post-mortem or an autopsy at all. And one must keep in mind that it is, it is disturbing and it is true that high-profile cases attract more attention and therefore... I mean, if we are going to be in the eyes of the international media, the mm. last thing we want as a South African country is to create the impression, the impression of inefficacy. So we have to be sure that whenever we are scrutinized, we act in a way that is representative of how things should happen as opposed to how they actually do. All right, Stan, I appreciate your honesty on that one, and let's, let's hope people are listening and do something about it. Final question, is there any difference between an autopsy and a post-mortem? No, nah, it's a matter of terms. Uh, essentially, at the end of the day, in certain jurisdictions or in certain countries, it's called a post-mortem. In others, it's called an autopsy. Which do they call it here as, as, as norm? I normally see post-mortem written in documents. All right, Stan Bezadenot, nice talking to you. Thank you.